Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling From The Crowd. My name is Ray, and this is an extra episode reviewing TakeOver 31 this weekend. Now, I know I'm a little late. I know it's Wednesday, but like I said in my last episode, I'll be on a little vacation, so I wasn't able to review it then. But I did watch, and I have to say, this TakeOver is probably one of my favorite TakeOvers in a really, really, really long time. So we learned that TakeOver, they introduced a new arena and a new logo. So now it's going to be cast. Capital Wrestling Arena. And now the, the NXT logo is now Capital Wrestling. There's a huge X with a little N and a T next to it. I mean, I could get used to it. I'm not like a super huge fan of the logo, but I can get used to it. So our first match we've seen was Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship. We've seen a new theme for Johnny Gargano. I don't know what his original theme was besides Rebel Heart. That was when he was a face. Now he's a heel. I don't know what his other heel theme song was, but I know he has a new one. This one sounded a lot better than the other one. Uh, this match was really action-packed to kick this off. Both men, they hit their biggest moves in the beginning. They both get near falls. Throughout the match, Priest was in control. It was going back and forth. Priest then hits a razor's edge on the apron, and Johnny kicks out. So we know Johnny is Johnny Takeover for a reason. We know that he's been in the most takeovers. We know he is the Takeover King. But I feel like this is Johnny's last takeover. I feel like with the draft coming up on Friday, I think that this will be his last takeover he will move to the main roster because what else is Johnny Gargano gonna do down at NXT he's been the North American champion he's been the NXT champion uh he has he's been tag team champion I believe so he's done it all so there's nothing else for him to do but we've seen a spot we've seen Johnny Gargano roll out the ring we've seen Damian Priest then jump over the turnbuckle he cleared the whole turnbuckle but Gargano then pulls the security guard to take the dive in front of him and as they're distracted with the guards being down Johnny Gargano hits a low blow on Damian Priest and rolls him back in the ring and then Damian Priest kicks out I thought it was over there I thought they were going to use the low blow you know heel Gargano the Gargano way I thought they were going to use that end the match but they didn't then Gargano locks on a Gargano escape Damian Priest was in that Gargano escape for a pretty long time but he ended up making his way to the rope Gargano then lifts up Damian Priest he tries to set him up for the one final beat but Damian Priest ends up countering it he tosses Gargano to the outside he pulls Gargano back through the ropes and he places the reckoning on Johnny Gargano pinning him one two three to retain his North American championship now I'm sure a lot of people thought Johnny Gargano was gonna win but then again why would they allow Johnny Gargano to win he's done it all like I said so it's good that now Damian Priest retains but it's yet to know who's 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 next for Priest because there's a lot of guys out there who's ready for Priest uh we've seen Dexter Loomis come back we've seen Bronson Reed still floating around there we've seen a lot of guys so Damian Priest has a lot of tough guys ahead of him. Now, for Johnny Gargano, where he ends up, I don't know. Will it be Raw or SmackDown? I hope it's SmackDown because I feel like I'll have a better opportunity over there, like Daniel Bryan did, like a bunch of other guys did. So, that's my choice for him. The next match we see is Kushida versus the Velveteen Dream. Now, we know they've had their rivalry. Dream attacked him back at the North American Championship Tournament. So, they've had a lot of history so far. So, as we see Velveteen Dream make his entrance, we see Kushida attack him during the entrance so Kushida's now supposed to be this vicious this more angry man and I guess it shows with him attacking not even having his own entrance and both men came out in jeans so I think this was meant to be a fight we've seen Kushida also play mind games with a dream he forced him to chase him on the outside so they were running around the ring like I said both of these men came to fight they went move for move and Kushida's main focus like always in most of his matches is focusing on that arm so he can lock 
in that hoverboard lock. We've seen him put multiple submissions on the Dream's arm. We've seen him even toss him into the turnbuckle twice, even trapped his arm in the steel steps, then kicked the steel steps to hurt the Dream's arm. Then we see Dream mount up some offense mid-match. Dream goes for a purple Rainmaker. Then Kushida catches him in another arm bar. And you can hear the pain in the Velveteen Dream screams. Velveteen Dream ends up grabbing the ropes. He then mounts up some offense. He then hits his Death Valley driver. Then he went up top to hit the purple Rainmaker, but he wasn't able to pin quickly because of the injured arm. So it took him a while to get the pin on Kushida. And as soon as he got the pin on Kushida, Kushida ended up kicking out at two. Then we seen Kushida lock in the hoverboard lock from the top rope as Dream attempted another purple Rainmaker. And this is always the scary part. Kushida does this flip with the guy's arm wrapped around. So it's pretty scary. Like, let's just say a Velveteen Dream landed wrong. He could have a broken arm once he hits that ground. But we've seen Kushida still hold on that lock once he flips off the top rope in that hoverboard lock. Dream then lifts him up, counters it into a Death Valley driver while Kushida still has the hoverboard lock in. So once the Velveteen Dream lands that Death Valley driver, Kushida's still holding on. We see Kushida then stand up to apply more pressure to that hoverboard lock, which forces the Velveteen Dream to tap. So we've seen Kushida pick up the win over the Velveteen Dream. I thought this was a fantastic match. Dream said it himself, at TakeOver, he performs the best. And that we know is true. We've seen it with Johnny Gargano. We've seen it when he fought Aleister Black. Dream can put on some really good TakeOver matches, and I thought this goes on to that list as one of the good ones. After the match, we've seen Kushida then attack the Velveteen Dream. He locked on multiple submissions onto that already injured arm, and then he didn't stop. He kept coming back. As soon as he looks like he was leaving, he would come back and apply another submission. So we're definitely seeing another side of Kushida, a more vicious, a more aggressive style of Kushida. And I'm sure eventually we're going to see him cross paths with Damian Priest, and he's probably going to try to get his first title. Even if it's not Damian Priest, we'll see him fight Finn Balor eventually, or whoever is the champion tonight. After the match, we get a video package, and then they announce Halloween Havoc is returning after 20 years, and it'll be hosted by Shotzi Blackheart. So let me know how you feel about Halloween Havoc coming back and NXT now using that Halloween Havoc name to promote a pay-per-view. Next, we've seen Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Santos Escobar for the Cruiserweight Championship. It was a beautiful start to this match. These guys were going move for move, strike for strike. These two guys are amazing cruiserweights. We know that Isaiah Swerve Scott, also known as Shane Strickland, has that background in Lucha Libre just like Santos Escobar. We know that we've seen Isaiah Swerve Scott. We've seen him on Lucha Underground as Kill Shot. We know that he has that background. We've seen him in CZW wrestle deathmatch matches. We know that no matter what style Isaiah goes up against, he'll show out because that's what he does. We've seen Santos Escobar then try a Hurricanrana on Isaiah Swerve Scott. Isaiah Swerve Scott then goes out of that Hurricanrana by doing a kip up and then these two have a stare off. So at the beginning of the match, these two are evenly matched. Then for a while, Swerve Scott takes control. He's in a good position from the beginning until Escobar finally took control. Throughout the match, they were having really good moves, really good counters. But then we know that Santos Escobar never ever travels alone. So we see Legano Del Fantasma try to interfere, which distracted Isaiah Swerve Scott to allow Santos Escobar to take control. Santos Escobar then tries to set Isaiah up on the top rope, but Isaiah then counters it into a Huracarana onto Legano del Fantasma, but they end up catching him. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't think they were going to catch him. I thought they were just all going to drop, but they ended up catching him. So they stand up Santos Escobar and they're like, 
okay, we got you, we got you. Then we see Ashanti Adonis come out to make the playing field a little more even for Isaiah Swerve Scott. We've seen him take on Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. They end up going to the back, leaving Santos Escobar and Isaiah Swerve Scott to fight at it alone. As soon as they get in the ring, Santos Escobar immediately hits Isaiah with the Phantom Driver. Isaiah then kicks out, so Santos Escobar got the near fall. Then later on in the match, we've seen Swerve Scott hit the house call and the 450 on Santos Escobar and I thought it was over right here. I thought that Isaiah Swerve Scott had captured the Cruiserweight Championship but Santos Escobar ended up kicking out. Then the fight spilled to the outside of the ring so we see both men fighting on the apron. We see Isaiah Swerve Scott then get pushed by Santos Escobar. He falls and I'm like what, what happened because he looked like he was stunned a little bit and apparently the bottom turnbuckle was exposed so when Isaiah fell he ended up hitting his head on that bottom exposed turnbuckle. Then we see Santos Escobar push him back in the ring and hit a double underhook face buster to attain the cruiserweight championship. It was a fantastic match. I really liked that match. I just didn't like the way it ended. I prefer that Isaiah lose cleanly besides, you know, him hitting his head and being stunned. You know, if you're going to make him lose, make him lose clean. Let let Escobar pin him. I, I, they want to keep playing on these dirty tricks by Escobar. Fine, I get it. But if you're going to make him lose, make him lose clean. So that way, now we're going to obviously see another rematch. We know it's coming. He, uh, Santos Escobar is just going to say, oh, it's more excuses, more excuses. We know Isaiah Swerve Scott can beat Santos Escobar. We're going to see it eventually. Isaiah is going to walk out at some point in time as the Cruiserweight champion unfortunately it wasn't tonight like i said it was an outstanding match from both of these men and i would love to see them go again i wouldn't be mad if they did the next match was eo shirai versus candice loray for the nxt women's championship now this was a quick start both women went counter for counter it went back and forth until candice loray took control for a bit late in the match Candice LeRae then applies the Gargano escape. Io Shirai then grabs the rope, but Candice holds the lock for four more seconds because, you know, they always have that five count. And then when she let go, she elbows the ref by accident. So the ref is out of play right now. With her hitting the ref, she then gets distracted. So Io takes control, hitting an air raid crash on Candice LeRae, then goes up to the top rope for that over the moonsault but ends up missing and hitting the ref once again. So now the ref is on the outside, officially out of play for the moment. We see Candice LeRae then take advantage. She ties Io Shirai up to hit that wicked stepsister. And we see her go for the pin, but there's no referee. Then we obviously knew we were going to see Johnny Gargano eventually. He comes down the ramp with his referee shirt and tries to make the pin. He also counted super, super fast, which I thought the match was going to be over. But Io Shirai ends of kicking out then we see Johnny Gargano get upset and he's like how did she kick out so Johnny Gargano goes out to the outside he grabs the NXT Women's Championship and brings it back in which then the referee comes back up and he's like what are you doing why are you wearing my shirt you're not the referee of this match I am so Candice LeRae takes advantage of the distraction by Johnny Gargano and she hits Io Shirai with that NXT Women's Championship then Candice LeRae goes for the cover but Io Shirai then again kicks out 
now. So we see the mental fortitude that Io Shirai has. Io Shirai wants to remain champion. So she's kicking out of everything. So Candice LeRae gets upset that Io kicked out. She thought she should be women's champion after hitting her with the title. We see Candice LeRae then climb up to the top rope, but Io rushes back up. She goes to the top rope, hits a Spanish fly on Candice LeRae, then gets back up to go to the top rope to hit the over the moon salt to pick up the victory. So we see Io Shirai retain her championship and we kind of knew it was going to happen. But then again, I thought that Candice LeRae was going to win. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think Candice LeRae was going to lose it, but maybe Candice LeRae is on her way with Johnny Gargano to join the main roster. After the match, we see Tony Storm come back. She appeared on the screen. She said, I hope everyone's ready. It's Tony time. I am back. And then after we see the motorcycle person we've seen for like three weeks now, they enter the arena. Then they walked out to the ramp. And in my head, I'm like, it's got to be Ember Moon. And sure enough, Ember Moon is back on NXT. So now the NXT women's division is now stacked. I still think Shotzi Blackheart is next in line. Hopefully they don't give it to anyone else. But NXT has a solid women's roster. Now it is time for the main event. It is Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. Now this is the match that I've been looking forward to. This was probably the most anticipated match for me in a long time. And I was really looking forward to seeing this match. This match started off technical for both men. It was hold for hold. There was no speed, no nothing. It was just technical wrestling. Both of these men had slow paced starts. And I like that because Kyle O'Reilly is a technical guy. He goes when he needs to. He moves when he needs to. And Balor's the same way. Balor doesn't ever have a quick start. And if he has a quick start, it's clearly the end of the match before it even starts. We've seen Finn Balor then put a standing arm bar on Kyle O'Reilly. Then he begins to mock him with his own air guitar. You using Kyle's arm. So we see that Finn Balor is taking this match seriously, but he also showing that, you know, he's not really worried about losing his championship. We seen Kyle then get up and use a flurry to take control. We know Kyle O'Reilly, he has really good comebacks. He does like a spinning forearm into a scissor head kick. He, he does this. This is what Kyle O'Reilly does. He is a singles competitor right behind being a tag team specialist. Balor then hits a spinning back kick that knocks the wind out of Kyle O'Reilly, which lets Balor take control. So we see that Finn Balor hits a spinning back kick and you instantly see Kyle O'Reilly go down and like put his hand up like wait hold on hold on. So at first I thought that he was really injured but apparently I guess that really did wind him and it showed the rest of the match. It showed that he was like kind of struggling to get his breath back. It was a slow paced match but it was exciting. It was exciting to see these two men go hold for hold. It was exciting to see a technical match. Sometimes high flying and all that flashy stuff doesn't really need to happen for to be a good match and these two men showed it. They even had a fantastic sequence where both men just hit move after move after move. We've seen Kyle O'Reilly hit a forearm into a Finn Balor Pele kick into a rebound lariat which Kyle O'Reilly almost fell out the ring because he missed the bottom rope just by a little bit. Late in the match Balor then hits his 1916 but gets the near fall. Then he goes to the top rope but Kyle O'Reilly stops him. He begins to mount some offense attack in the leg. Then he traps Balor in a knee bar. Balor then tries to escape by using his other leg to hit Kyle O'Reilly. But Kyle O'Reilly then grabs that other leg and puts a double knee bar on Finn Balor. Now he held this for a while. I really thought that Kyle O'Reilly was going to tap out Finn Balor for how long he had his submission hold on. Balor then breaks the submission by getting to the bottom rope. Kyle O'Reilly then gets up and he was about to attack Finn Balor. But Balor then drops. Kyle O'Reilly 
quickly approaches, but a possum Balor drops Colorado to the floor, who hits a double foot stomp. Then Finn Balor makes his way to the corner for his signature shotgun drop kick, but ends up meeting a knee by Kyle O'Reilly. And then a German suplex. Balor then hits the mat, but ends up getting up quickly from that German suplex to hit a double foot stomp. Both of these men are giving everything they have in this match, and I loved every second of it. This match was incredible. This match has such a hype behind it, and these men are giving us a reason why we should watch these matches. We see Balor then get to his feet first. He goes to the top rope, then hits the coup de grace on Kyle O'Reilly to retain his NXT championship. Now, let me just say, this was a phenomenal match. This goes as one of the greatest takeover matches in a long time, and there's a lot of them. There was Aleister Black versus the Velveteen Dream at TakeOver War Games. There was Sami Zayn versus Cesaro at TakeOver Arrival, or even Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bates at TakeOver Chicago. So this goes in that top list of TakeOver matches, and to me, it's top five. So for those of you who don't agree, tell me where you think you would rank this match in TakeOver history. After the match, we see both men show sportsmanship and show each other that, you know what, they both gave it their all, and that they're both proud of themselves. We see Kyle O'Reilly then raise Finn Balor's hand. Then we see Ridge Holland in the crowd with a broken Adam Cole on his shoulder. And then he throws him over the barricade and walks away. And then the UE ends up coming out. And, he's, and Roddy's like, what happened? What happened? And you see Kyle in the background just sitting there, just like with a blank stare. And they ask Finn Balor, and Finn Balor's like, I don't know. And that's how NXT TakeOver ends. So I don't really know what to say about the Ridge Holland-Adam Cole attack. Is there going to be another faction? Could it have been set up by the UE or someone in the UE to attack Adam Cole? I'm not sure. There's speculations that Kyle O'Reilly might have had Ridge Holland attack Adam Cole. I truly don't know what to say. I don't really want to go in depth right now. I just want to give it some time to build up. But we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, a couple weeks from now, I'm sure we'll figure it out. So this ends TakeOver's review. This is the best TakeOver I've seen in a long time. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite TakeOvers, hands down, right after Chicago, maybe because Chicago was a really good one. They had Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. They had Gargano and Champ in the street fight. So this this ranks among my best and my favorite takeovers. But I think everyone should watch this show. I think this is the reason why NXT is where it's at and why NXT is a solid competitor in this wrestling world. They put on a hell of a show and no matter who they lose to the main roster, there's always capable people to take someone else's place. And that's what we've seen. Back then, I used to be like, man, this company needs Shinsuke Nakamura or Samoa Joe or half these other guys and as soon as all those guys left other guys stepped up and that's what NXT is about it's when someone else goes another opportunity arises and NXT is always going to have people to step up and that's why that brand's going to last a long time and it's going to keep going higher from here so with that being said you can reach me on Twitter you know if you want to talk about it if you want to ask me any questions like I said people usually do not a lot but people usually write me on Twitter and ask me questions about about my podcast or what I talk about. So if you want to reach me, you can reach me on Twitter at Wrestling From, or you can reach me on Facebook at Ray Colazzo. You can expect an episode this Sunday based off Raw, SmackDown, everything else. Hopefully Raw is better this week. So this has been Wrestling From the Crowd. My name is Ray Colazzo. Good morning, good evening, good night, no matter where you are. Thank you for listening.